0: Hey there, and welcome back to Legend of the Glorio Heroes, episode 37. As the year comes to a close, so do we as we approach the sunset of our journey across the Sea of Stars. There aren't many episodes left in the legendary 1988 science fiction OVA, but we're not quite done yet. Joining me in our final stretch, as always, is my co-host, Iroh. I'm
1: still here, uh, just as we have taken the you know ten thousand light year journey. Uh, I guess it's more of a 110 episode journey. Yes, but, but we're, we are nearing the end. Soon we will find our own planet Heinisen.
0: Yes, you know it feels about as long anyway. So, but uh, but yeah, we are here to talk about uh, another interesting trio of episodes uh-huh. of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, it's be the
1: penultimate episode recap.
0: Yeah, this is the penultimate episode, uh, folks, you know, to everyone listening, you know, as always, thank you for, for, for sticking with us this long, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming to a close. It's, uh, it's a bittersweet occurrence, you know, I mean, bittersweet in a variety of ways. I mean, we'll get into it in this podcast, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I have feelings about, (laughs) about the direction this show is going and where it may eventually end up, you know, and, uh. Perhaps this podcast will be an interesting time capsule. You know, I think maybe I think this podcast will be an interesting one to return to even for us. Yes, I think we've created multiple interesting time capsules Uh, for us to return to once we're done with the series. I think this one especially, though, will be interesting to look at because we will this is the last this is the la- this will be the last podcast you will ever listen to where, where we don't know what happens next. Right, where we don't know everything there is about the original OVA. Like this is the last time Iro and I will ever uh, be in the dark uh, uh, about this series. And oh boy. That's that's it's bittersweet in its own way, you know. I I missed I I will miss The days of us... The days
1: of, where does this show go in 80 episodes?
0: Right, right, right. You know, I I sometimes think about going back and listening to some of the season one podcasts where we talk about, like, us not even being able to comprehend what this show would look like (laughs) 80 episodes later. And now, 80 episodes later, here we are. And... Uh Uh-huh. Here we are at episodes 105,
1: A Planet in Confusion, Episode 106, Holly House Burns. And episode 107, Crimson Star Road.
0: Yes. So we open up with episode 105. We uh, finally pick up from last week's cliffhanger. Yes, of the rug
1: pool incident. Yes, we find what was the rug pool incident.
0: Yes, and we find out that the rug pool incident was a prison riot. Yes, I feel like one of us said that. Yes, I think one of us. If we did not say prison, right? I think we said something along the lines of people will try to break out of jail or something, mm-hmm. and it doesn't quite ha- go that way. But I think uh, I think it it is interesting where things to. go. So so yes. Uh, before the episode, before the I like that before the right even starts, the narrator says Reinhardt specifically commanded Oberstein not to abuse the prisoners anymore. But before but putting, that order the, but use- putting them down in a riot is a okay. Yes, yes. I mean, you know. <sighs> Anyways, yes. Yeah. So the riot breaks out. We find out that five thousand um, political offenders were detained here mm-hmm. when the riot breaks out. And as if to add oil to the fire, the Black Lancers uh, on their own, without Binfield, decide to take their uh, their own initiative. <laughs> They're like, and, oh man, uh, we need to help with this and,
1: terrible situation. Right,
0: to help put down the riot.
1: We will which, also help.
0: Yes, which of course overlaps with the jurisdiction of the military police. Right, so, uh, Now they, they, have they to assume,
1: also, they like, are like, oh, those Black Lancers are here to bust out Winfield.
0: Yes, yes, which is a pretty funny uh, conclusion to arrive at. But yeah, so, it essentially leads to a confrontation between the military police and the Black Lancers. Um, Black Lancers immediately start talking shit about the military police. Things are about to pop off. But uh, once again, uh, someone swoops in at the last minute to defuse the situation. It's uh-huh. Ferner. Yep. Um, Not
1: following this time, unfortunately. Yeah, so
0: Ferner coordinates the Black Lancers and the MPs, you know, to work together to deal with the riot. Uh, and by dealing with the riot, I mean by immediately opening fire on the prisoners... Uh just straight up shooting them left and right. right. Uh,
1: uh it devolves
0: into chaos, basically. Yeah, it goes real bad. <laughs> as if to make things worse, uh Ferner gets shot by like one of his own like prison guards or something. By
1: accident, yeah. By
0: accident, like because Ferner gets taken out of the fray, like Nobody, communications nobody's break down. Command, no, yeah. right. There's no chain of command. The narrator specifically points out that as a result <laughs> the Various factions at play began to crack down on the prisoners harder and harder, as if to like <clears throat> compensate for 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 themselves or something. It's right it's, to prove and their loyalty, I guess. But like, uh, even though
1: Farner had um, like substantial medical services on standby, like because he got shot, they didn't get any orders, so they were just hanging out for like a few hours and could have saved several hundred people who did not get saved
0: yeah it's almost as if like structure these structures of 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 of, of authority that depend on singular individuals are uniquely flawed in this very specific way <laughs> but yes we find out that over a thousand of the prisoners are killed um a uh-huh. couple hundred of the, of the of the of the of the the prison guards are killed as well um, uh, similarly elsewhere, uh, we find out that terrorist attacks start happening all over Heinesen at the same time. Yes. Valen nearly gets shot again. <laughs> um, the dude keeps dodging bullets like a motherfucker. Uh-huh. uh Bueller goes to see Overstein. Overstein not taking any visitors
1: right now. Overstein
0: not taking any calls. In fact, the the party line is that Ferner still has things under control. <laughs> well, that is very much not true. Even though he's in a hospital. <laughs> yes. Uh, we find out that uh, Paeta and Olivera... Uh, finally get theirs. And, and what ha- what has to be one of the only cases in the entire <laughs> history of, of uh. Legend of the Galactic Heroes, something bad happens to the bad people and the good people sort of get away. Uh, Sidilei survives the riot. Mirai, however, gets critically injured and falls into a coma. So, you know, not exactly, right. uh, not exactly sunshine and roses here, but hey, at least Ola Berry finally got his, that piece of shit um they kind of the narrator
1: talks a bit about how because of the types of people who are detained because they're all like old political leaders and stuff that they assumed there would no be no chance for like a low chance of a riot because these are all like
0: middle-aged folks yeah yeah they do point out that like yeah this riot does not seem to fit the demographic of you know the people who are being imprisoned and suspects that someone must have been behind it Naturally, who's, for who's suspect. behind
1: everything
0: in the galaxy? Right, these days. it is. It is the Earth cult. So, uh, but before they can deal with that, they have to deal with the fact that this news is getting out there, and they are going to need to massage it as best as they can before it reaches Ezerlone. Right, because um, if
1: uh, if word reaches Ezerlone that they shot up all of their detainees it would destroy all hope of communication.
0: Yes. It's not a good look. And Mueller being Mueller continues to be like, maybe like a <clears throat> middle tier, most reasonable human being in the room who in many ways, right. I almost feel like Mueller himself, like it's a different power structure in the empire, but I'm beginning to get the vibe that Mueller is the man with the clipboard in the empire. <laughs> yeah. Like, a bit, Mueller yeah. is the one who constantly notices all of these problems, but does not have enough clout to like fix them on his own guys guys we need to like stop. Mueller like Mueller Let me talk advocates side please right right like Mueller advocates that they should have somebody who is like connected to Isorlone contact have them tell Isorlone about the news and assure them things are fine unfortunately right. the only person with a connection to Iserloan <clears throat> that they have on hand is Mirai, who is currently in a coma so right you know not uh things are not working out so well there so Isolone, uh, uh, we we return to the Isolone fleet, right? Because they uh, they've
1: left the corridor to, to go to Heinstein to right, want to meet with Mueller, and you know, yes, be escorted but, uh, there.
0: They find that nobody is there to receive them, and then they get news of uh, they get news of the incident at Rugpool. <laughs> yep,
1: Julian basically says. Let's turn around because yes, we yes. can't deal with this
0: right now. Right? <laughs> I, I, I am really coming to appreciate Julian as a leader of the Iserloan Republic. I feel like, like on one hand, he does have a lot of like Yang's. You know, he is as thoughtful and introspective as Yang, and he does worry as much about you know setting precedents. And he is, you know, he he is very much Yang's protege. But also, like, I like that there are times when he's just like. I don't have enough information to work with here. <laughs> we should go back. just not. Yeah, like, I, I am not going to jump to conclusions. Let's just, you know, it is uh-huh. like, it's like they're about to go out for groceries, and, like, I don't know, you, you hear that, like, I don't know, you just, I don't know, you just see, like, a fire, like, about a mile away, uh-huh. and you're just, like... I don't know what's going on. I'm going back. <laughs> just
1: turn, turn this just, ship around. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like However, literally doing uh, turn, we are informed by the narrator that, uh, they were going to turn around immediately, but one of the destroyers had engine trouble.
0: Yes. And of its repairs took time until the next yes. day. And because that delayed the whole fleet, it actually gave time for like a small Imperial patrol fleet to show up. Yep. Who, Of course, immediately demand that, uh, I don't know, they stop and submit to the authority of the Empire or something. I don't... I'm going Uh to be honest. I don't quite understand what was happening with both this and, like, the small fleet we see next week that are just, like... Mine might might be the same one. What is it with this, like, small Empire fleet that is just here at the exit of the Iserloan Corridor that for some reason... Standard patrol... Right. right, but also like it's for whose first instinct is to immediately start fighting the Iserlone fleet. Like Man,
1: that's the Empire for you, right?
0: Right, but it's like you think that like like it's like you know it's like the whole thing of like them specifically asking for Mueller to receive them because I guess Mueller is is like a more rational guy. Uh-huh. But you think, like you'd think that like literally any of like Reinhardt's top men other than Bittenfield were they in the same position? They would not just start by opening fire on <laughs> the right. Lone Republic. Like, they'd at least first hail them and be like, hey, what are you doing? But, I don't know, it just gives me the more of those vibes, oh, just, you know, like, sure, Reinhardt is trying to, you know, reform the, 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 the Imperial military, but you still got a lot of those, like, hot-blooded young guns lower yeah. down the ranks who, like, just itching for some action and glory, but... Uh,
1: the narrator takes this chance to talk about Dusty Attenborough.
0: Yeah, I actually liked this. I at first I thought, oh no, like let's set up Dusty to instantly get to dead, get killed right. next week. Let's, let's set up some death flags for Dusty. But uh, I mean, hey, we still have three episodes we haven't we watched do, yeah. yet. So who could say? But for now, I, I kind of like this this bit with the narrator that kind of like mentions, I think, an entirely like valid point mm-hmm. that like actually. Like, Dusty is actually a pretty good admiral. Yes. Like he's not Yang tier, but like mm-hmm. dude Dude did reach admiral rank around the same age as Yang Wen Lee. Like, that is impressive regardless. And yes. like there is definitely that vibe of like when they talk about, you know, back when they talk about like how uh, if if it weren't for Reinhardt, Roenthal would have been like a legendary admiral who, you know, mm-hmm. could have created his own dynasty. There is kind of a vibe with the narrator here that if it weren't, you know, if, if it weren't for Yang Wenli hogging all the spotlight, Dusty Attenborough could have gone down in history as, you know, right. the premier FPA admiral of his time. I specifically
1: note that he is, has a good sense of balance between hard and soft tactics.
0: Yes. That like Dusty is like, Dusty has, like, Yang's, like, you know, higher-minded tactics, but he's a lot more practical about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Basically, calling back to it, a tangent we had, like, for, you know, dozens of episodes ago. <laughs> Turns out, actually, Dusty Attenborough is the Ryu of Legend of the Galactic <laughs> <Glide of> Heroes. <laughs> Perfectly balanced. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And and to go with it, we get another fuzzy Vaseline flashback. Yes, of, of I guess the young Joe. <laughs> yes, and the time Dusty met him, I guess. Uh huh. Just like
1: For are meeting <laughs> the young family for a picnic under this tree, right? I guess right. in in the like in the like lovely field from the, the second Ed or whatever.
0: Yes, but I, like this is like before even Frederica, I guess. Right? Like it's just. Yeah, yeah. It's just young and julian hanging it's like out under a tree like season
1: one <laughs> yeah julian,
0: yeah it's it's uh, pretty good prompt,
1: it's prompting him to to think i don't want to reminisce about these people i want to reminisce with these people it's very
0: it's a very good line from julian like and uh as a result um they decide yeah we're just gonna bail out of here or and uh However, before we fleet. Yeah. yes, yes. Uh, however, before we get ba- get to that, we, we get another interlude here. Uh, we find out that Mitterbeier, Eisenach, Mecklinger, and Reinhard are uh, right. about to arrive at Heideson. Uh, Reinhard, understandably, pretty angry about the news of the riot. Yes. uh, Pretty fucking mad at Oberstein about this. Right. Oberstein, like, again, Oberstein not flapped, but you could tell that even, like, Oberstein is a little cowed here because he doesn't even try to slip in one of his usual dour one-liners. He's just like, okay, boss, and signs uh-huh.
1: off. He would.
0: Um they note, while, that, uh, Mech- they note that they brought six doctors along on the Runehills. Yes, uh, yes. Because uh Mecklinger still thinking about the Kaiser's health and yes. they, they point out that normally Reinhard would not have allowed this, but when he found out that it was uh the Kaiserin who insisted on uh uh-huh. on the six doctors coming along, he had to acquiesce.
1: Right. And they, all, they note that uh Mechlinger would write in his later days. Yes, and he was that... unaware of the gravity of the situation. And I yes. think we'll come back to this like next episode. Oh, we'll, we'll get back to this.
0: Uh, I think more like 107, I think. Well, but yes, st- I, see-
1: specific- I mean specifically the narrator saying, and in the later days, he wrote oh, about this.
0: Ah, yes. Uh, yes, yes, you're right, you're right. I'm glad you are right. Anyways, with that taken care of, we return back to, um, to, to the Isolone fleet. We find out that it is like 100 versus 12. Right. Because they they're the twelve because they just thought they'd uh get they a They nice thought they escort. were on a diplomatic mission, yeah. Uh, like like not here for a fight. So Dusty Dusty continues to do the thing he's very good at, which is retreat. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which <laughs> he's, good at, real... he's,
1: he's good at retreating and making it seem like they barely got away.
0: Yes, yes. You know, that's a little unfair to Dusty. I'd say, actually, it's a very real... Being good at retreating is, in fact, a very good skill for an admiral. So, But, uh, but yes, Dusty retreats back the, to the he's corridor. He's got that uh, A-rank disengage skill. Yes, exactly. Uh, Patrol fleet backs off, and we find out that the entire Isolone fleet is basically waiting at the corridor. Right, on standby. Yes, because, you know... We're not stupid. We know how young Lee died. We're not letting this shit happen ever again. So, uh-huh. And you know, they basically uh, ha-
1: say, well, let's send Frederica back to Ezerlone.
0: And yes, the boys will stay out here on combat alert. I mean, look, by the by the events of episode yes. 107, it turns out this was a prudent choice. Yeah. Uh, but yes, we return back to Heineson where Oberstein enacts a plan to, uh, Dust to In his quotes, uh, in his phrasing, to dust off Heidesson before right. Reinhardt K- arrived. Kaiser's still not here. Time to still do more purges while I'm still allowed to. Yes, and the most interesting purge of all is that Oberstein announces yes. that they have captured Rubinsky. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, they, they
1: got him at some hideout. They got him.
0: Yeah, apparently. Also, apparently his hideout was on Heidesson.
1: Yeah, which I guess makes sense. Yes. Um. Also, like Ferner goes into this Explanation of how they basically Sifted through every fake Fake uh, patient at every hospital Everywhere, one by one Until yeah. they found him And that Rubinsky is suffering from a malignant Brain
0: tumor in the yeah. last Maybe
1: six months
0: Yeah, it's I I don't know if I want to get into this right now Because I think, but maybe we should This is this is this is the first of a series of plot points with this trio of episodes where I begin to, if I'm being entirely honest, I begin to get anxious about Legend of the Galactic Heroes' ability to gracefully cap off every plot line because right. when you have it, so many, when you have so many, like here's the thing: the thing we always loved about Legend of the Galactic Heroes is that almost every plot line that this show ever posited. It found a way to conclude them in a narratively satisfying manner. Sure. Now...
1: But, a, but with, as
0: we get to the end... It begins to feel like they are starting to just kind of rush through things. I mean, kind
1: like, of like like with Erwin um, Joseph.
0: Right, right. I think this began with the Erwin Joseph plot. Well, the Erwin Joseph plotline I could write off a little bit more because it's not like they were like prominent in the plot. Whereas Rubinsky... Right, right was prominent in the plot. He was a recurring character and there was an entire theming around like his this idea of ah, he was in many ways fighting this shadow war against Reinhardt. And so for Ferner to explain that actually they were investigating him this whole time off screen. And also like, we got him and we got I've him It's over with. And we don't even, we're not going to even show us apprehending him. What's we just got him. What's Dominique St. Pierre up to? Right, just to, all of us taking care of off screen. She it just fuck off. Right. It, she it, left it, with Schumacher. Let's show that. <laughs> I mean, we can only hope. <laughs> like, you know, maybe she settled down and finally found the right man. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just like, it, 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 I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. Like, this, this is like some, like. <sighs> I've had this on the brain lately, but this is oh, like, dear. this is like when in Metal Gear Solid Four, <laughs> they reveal to you that the Patriots were all actually, uh, right. members of Major Zero's team from Metal Gear Solid Three, and in fact, it was Paramedic herself that was like the head doctor of the like Leon Terrible play did all the like, created fuck them. solid, solid and liquid and solidus and. and and that also, of course, Siget would go on to become the Arms Tech president, and and <laughs> the Major sure, Zero, sure, the man, sure. the man who would go on a tangent about making a snake gun, would yeah. go on to become one of the greatest villains of the series. And this is all explained in the span of twenty minutes, right? A- and, and and this is kind of what it begins to feel like. Just like no, wait, wait, hang like, on, like wait a minute, like about, are you tell me about that? Right, like wait a minute, like shouldn't the apprehending of rubinsky be at least its own episode like and and i, I get that there is a theming there's like a in the same way that like yawn lee died right there's something like you know a uh, uh, narratively appropriate about rubinsky you know kind of just going right. out with a whimper it's like kind of like
1: we said like last episode like he ran out of time in multiple ways
0: yeah yeah but i still feel like even even with that caveat the way it is concluded still feels a little too neat, a little too quick and clean for the way yeah. Legend of Galactic Heroes usually does things. Still three episodes. And I think that is, I mean, you're right. Yes. Okay, fine. If, <laughs> if, look, if Neo Rubinsky hopefully... cyborg body <laughs> shows up in the last three episodes, then you're right. Yeah. I'll be crow here, but
1: <sighs> I, I, Maybe I just want the show to make me crow like over and over. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, don't get me wrong, I would love if Neo Rubinsky oh, shows up at the end to lead his cyborg Earth Cult army, but I just don't think that is going to happen.
1: Hypnosis th- and brainwashing to implant his personality into De Uh
0: Of course, of course. After D'Avillier's <laughs> arm was cut off during the attack at at the Earth Cult base on Earth, he grafted on Rubinsky's arm. <laughs> uh so, anyway. <laughs> Reinhardt arrives at Heinesen. Uh, Oberstein and Binfield uh, await Reinhardt's uh, judgment. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a great bit here where Bidfield apologized to Reinhardt for causing trouble, but does not apologize for criticizing Oberstein, uh-huh. saying that all the problems on Heinesen are still basically Oberstein's fault, and that he imputed their honor by by saying that, you know... They all lost Yongwin Lee... Yes, which we get a good bit from Reinhardt saying, well, you know what? I also never won against team, <laughs> Right. So what do you have to feel bad about, Bittenfield? If I couldn't do it, there's no way you could.
1: <laughs> Basically. Um, <laughs> um, of course, Bittenfield's like, ah, what a oddly measured response from the Kaiser. Yes, yes. I, want- I expected to be
0: scolded. Yeah, and Binfield almost kind of—it's interesting. Binfield actually says he feels uh he 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 he, he hes actually ambiguous about, th- ambivalent about this. He feels like the man that he respected and followed to the ends of the earth would be the man who would scold him for for fucking up. But who would stop taking calls because he doesn't have a magic jar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But who knows? Maybe, maybe Reinhardt is softening softening up in some ways uh, for both yes. better and worse. Yeah, he and, basically
1: uh, tells Mueller to uh, arrange meeting with the Island Republic and tells yes. Oversign to handle handle uh, some poisonous insects, aka the right. Earth Cult, um, one assumes.
0: Yes. And uh, with that taken care of, Mueller uh, ostensibly sets off for Iserlone. Uh The Rugpool prisoners are released, I guess, mm-hmm. as a make good from Reinhardt. Yeah. They do kind of again, they kind of point out, like, I feel like again, sometimes I feel like Reinhard, like again, I feel like it always happens with the Empire where things just clean up a little too nicely. Right. Because the narrator says, Ah, with when the with the prisoners released, the Rugpool prisoners, their their animosity for, for for Oberstein changed into respect and adoration for Reinhardt. Right. I, it's like, I
1: still don't know how I feel about this characterization of Oberstein as the guy who does the bad things to make the real leader look good.
0: Yeah, again, it, it always a, feels a little too, too convenient. convenient. He's still doing the bad stuff. Right, he's still <laughs> doing bad things, right? And it's like, it's like, it's like if you if you agree with, I mean, I guess the only way I could see like. Oberstein's position making sense is if that if you agree with Oberstein at face value that all of the things, all the bad things that Oberstein is doing are necessary, somebody in his organization has to do them. Like, if you agree with his argument that either he or Reinhardt or somebody had to do the things he does, that it might as well be him so Reinhardt doesn't have to. I feel like that is the only way you can justify what Oberstein does, because right. otherwise, if you don't accept that premise, then everything Oberstein does still feels, feels like, unnecessarily callous and cruel. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, as if the rug pool incident was not enough, the narrator says that— Narrator, yeah. Narrator does it again where he's like, It almost appeared as if things were heading towards peace. But then, the arson of <laughs> the arson of the Kaiser's home. The dr- I can't the even dr- pronounce dr- the title, I refuse to say because I know yes. I won't
1: do it right. We will never get it I'm right. Holly House.
0: Yes, yes. Be- better that. Better that than its abbreviation of the arson of SS House, which has its Ooh. own Ooh, <laughs> bad boy.
1: associations. All right. Well, that, uh, that leads into episode 106. Yes. Beginning with the arson. Yes, if I know it, it was a uh, strangely sweltering day, as if to portend a cataclysm.
0: Yes, yes, it's again are just on his shit this week. I
1: but I do like theory of legend of like the statement that like they say this, say that nobody really thought about it that way at the time. They just thought it was a hot day, but later. People would say, "Ah, it was a hot day," as if to portend some <laughs> kind yes. of yes. The...
0: Very, very good understanding. Like, oh, very, yes, you're right. Very... That's just how it always <laughs> yes. Is. Very keen understanding of human nature. Well, you
1: know, when it gets too hot, the molasses tanks in Boston explode, and <laughs> the, uh, the waves come. Uh...
0: Yes, but uh, but yeah. So we are told that uh, Anna, Rose, and Hilda are just hanging out at Reinhardt's house yes. because Hilda is. Uh, pretty pregnant at this point. They Frankly, say. I'm like... still surprised Anna Rose is here. Yes, I kind of figured Anna Rose would have fucked off by now, considering... I guess Reinhardt's not here. She doesn't right. mind hanging out with Hilda. That's true. I, I feel like it's mainly just Reinhardt. Anna Rose wants nothing to do with anymore at this point. She's basically here giving Hilda advice on how to handle Reinhardt. <laughs> yes. Uh, we find out that Kessler is out of town, basically dealing with schemes. Um... The police receive an anonymous tip that the Earth Cult has regained their power since uh, the Kuhn incident. Yes, and that they plan to uh, attack uh, Fazan. And turns out that is exactly what happens. We find out that uh, multiple terrorist attacks uh, basically occur all around Fazan. Yes. Uh, they take out the comms, meaning that they can't contact Kessler. You know, uh, they, we get a bit of here about how, like, kessler in the last few years did a great job of like revamping the police force which used to be like one of the most corrupt institutions in the empire into Mm -hmm. like an efficient and fair organization but that uh they were too dependent on kessler and that without him that they're kind of like getting overwhelmed by by the uh the attacks yeah and uh as a result um the uh... there's no guards at the Kaiser's home. Yes, yes. We find out that the Earth Cult managed to infiltrate the extremely poorly guarded house where Anna Rose and Hilda reside at. You'd right. think and, like number this two at place... number three and number four most important people. Yes, yes, like you think this place like they they show two of the like plainclothes guards at the front gate, but you'd think like a place like this, like the Kaiser's residence, if there was any place in which you would station like the Panzer Grenadiers. Yeah, the Panzer Grenadiers, the dudes with the axes and the power armor, you know, the dudes who can shrug off laser fire like
1: it's fucking nothing. These these dudes. Yeah, you see a power armor man standing at the front gate. You don't fuck with
0: that. You'd be like, uh, uh, no, dude. Can't just see one of those guys. Right, like I almost feel like, considering how, like you know, again because this is an autocracy, especially one that is explicitly based off of like bloodline lineage, that <laughs> at some point you would almost just like insist that like you keep a Panzer Grenadier hidden in like Hilda's closet <laughs> at all times, you know? Because I like, I feel like that is the I was level like, of pretending to be pregnant this whole time. There's actually a Panzer Grenadier under my skirt. <laughs> Right, like, you think that, like, this is how important these people are, like, you think they would have learned a lesson from Yang Wenli, right, like, like, not just the, the Israel Republic, but even the Empire of, like, oh, the Earth cult are fucking crazy, and, like, they'll kill whoever they can get their hands on, like. You know, shit, man. For, forget the mansion, I would have kept Anna Rose and Hilda in a fucking underground bunker. Right. But, just uh, take, get one of Rubinsky's old hideouts. Yeah, I know he's he, got like a dozen They could just of them. hang
1: on the hollow room. Yes. Anyway, uh, uh, but, but, but yeah. yeah so Kessler finally gets to the situation. There's a fire. Uh,
0: the by laser fire. Fire started. Cops start rushing the house. Yes. 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 Um, of course, Hilda like goes into labor right in the middle of the attack. I mean, if you're being shot uh, at, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's again, it continues to get into this whole the whole final half of this episode gets back into like my constant quibble with the narrative causality of the Empire and how they get to operate on a completely different set of rules than the FPA ever did. Because the first assassin who approaches Anna Rose and Hilda, you know, this real fucking like crazy creep like walks in there and like doesn't immediately start shooting at them. He just starts breathing heavily and slowly taking steps towards them. And right. of course he gets shot by like some like random cop there, you know, saving their life. And like, you know, when Yang Lee died, <laughs> that earth cold dude rounded the corner, took a shot and ran away. Just like that. There was no pretense, no pause. Yang Lee died alone in that hallway. Just like that. But no, when the empire when the empire is in trouble, it's got to be real climactic. It's got to be real theatric. The guy can't just take the shot. He has to slowly stalk towards them, one step at a time. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, I get it. It's for dramatic purposes, but it's like, it's just like, what, come on, guys, come on, guys. But uh, but yes, Kessler makes it to the scene. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He is. Strangely nonplussed about this new maid character that gets introduced, who yes. has a box of ice cream on her. Right, she went that, out to uh, get chocolate
1: ice cream for the, the right. Kaiserin, I guess,
0: and uh, tells uh, tells Kessler that Hilda and Anna Rose are in that burning building. Which, right. again, Kessler Kessler seems strangely pretty chill about Kessler that. Pretty Kessler, professional. He is cool under pressure. Yes, and literally
1: <laughs> so cool under pressure he can put a ladder up to the window, climb in the, climb to the window,
0: then shoot like five dudes. Right, fucking turns into a goddamn Max Payne shootout here. Fucking Kessler just shooting dudes through the window, like, crashes through it, taking shots, like, yep. manages to, basically, long story short, manages to save uh, Hilda and Anna Rose. Mm-hmm. They manage to Anna arrest Rose, all.
1: Anna Rose picks up a trophy and Hurls it at some
0: assailant. Yes, that is true. Does manage to save Kessler by hurling a trophy at the last assassin. Um, yep. They, um, the maid shows up. They bring a stretcher for for Hilda yes. to get
1: her out of there. Apparently this fire was like not so dangerous. They could not just bring in people's stretchers to pull her out of the second floor
0: yeah, I was going to say, like, from the outside, this building looked like it was burning bad, but apparently... Right. and I mean, it, the building burns down. Right, right. It does burn down eventually, but apparently it was not... <laughs> they were not in a huge rush to get out of there. So, uh, but yes, yes. Uh, then we 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 switched to the hospital, where uh, um, Hilda's in the middle of giving birth. Mm-hmm. You get all these noblemen just, like... Because we don't have Reinhardt here to be the anxious pacing father, we have the Elder Maryndorf to do that instead. He deserves it. He does. <laughs> uh, we have we have this meet cute with Kessler and the newly introduced Arika von furbach the maid so- who uh, who uh, had the ice cream.
1: Uh huh. She's so embarrassed because she thought Kessler was just some police captain and not high admiral
0: and, and she- superintendent of the police. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they have their little me cute. And then the doctor comes out and he says, Good news! The <laughs> prince is born! And the first priority is that he has no congenital defects. Hooray!
1: That's so fun. That's really it's so funny good. to me. That's it's really funny. Like, like, I mean, here's Of thing, course, right? like, Given the Empire's history, given the history of
0: Rudolf von bomb, of course they'd say that. Right, of course that is their first priority. Like, the first priority is, like, in order of priorities, is. The kid is born, it's a boy, no congenital defects. Like, <laughs> right, because
1: I mean, Rudolph and
0: Goldenbaum only had daughters except for the one boy who had a congenital defect. <laughs> right, right, yes. It's very, very, it's very. I mean, it, it, it's a neat. It, it, I don't know if it's intended or not, but I do like it as a small detail of like, all of the people in that room are like older men, the doctor is an older man. Like, these are all there's people. A, there's who, a few like young girls. Right, but I th- my point is that the people who are there are people who lived through the Golden Bomb Dynasty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like they are people who, like, you know, for them, like, the majority of their life has been lived under the Golden Bomb Dynasty, and so it kind of makes sense culturally that, like, that that is still like a thing that they are deeply concerned about. Right. Like even if like that law has technically been repealed, you know, in the last few years, you know, to allow people like Oberstein to exist, like. There's still that vibe of like, oh, you know, old habits die hard, you know, especially cultural ones. Yeah, But uh, but yeah, so uh, the new prince is born. Mm -hmm. Uh, Narrator says, uh, narrator's like, nobody knew if this child was fortunate or unfortunate to be the child of Reinhard von Lohengram. Yes, which... uh, as always, narrator just being a little, uh, being a little foreboding, but at the same yep. time, I'm, I, I kind of doubt we were going to see this this baby grow up. So yeah. Kessler
1: dances with the Marika a little
0: bit. Yes. Everyone opens
1: champagne that they had in this hospital. Apparently so. Uh, and and then, Kessler uh, goes back to work.
0: Yes, After after hugging this cute girl, we are reminded that Kessler does not advocate for the rights of criminals and is in fact fine with torture when necessary. <laughs> Which, what a thing to just drop what, on us! what yes, a, thing what a to throw out there. Yes, I mean they couch they couch it in they couch it in the context that this is the Earth cult they're dealing with, right? And that like Kessler does not have time to care about human rights. And, these people uh, are crazy fanatics, yes, and that he's fine with administering the apparently highly lethal truth serum, yeah, uh, to the prisoners that kills most of them. I don't know if but, actual, like,
1: straitjackets have these zippers to shoot people stuff up with, but I don't know, it's just uh, you know goof, what, goofy I, detail to it. was like, yes, hang I, on, we well, put the zipper in the upper arm. So
0: we can inject specifically people? for injections. I mean, I can almost see that sort of making sense. Sure. In the sense of like, oh, maybe you need to sedate them or something. I guess. Yes. I mean, honestly, I don't even know. If straight jackets are widely used in psychiatric like stuff anymore. I, I feel like so. that is one of those things that we have now consider inhumane. So. Well, Kessler doesn't uh, care. <laughs> but Kessler doesn't care. <laughs> Also, considering the Earth Cult and the Earth Cultists we've met in the past, I would not approach an Earth Cult member unless they were bound and gagged in some yes. way. So. And the
1: narrator notes that the relentlessness of the military police would often be recounted in later
0: days. Yes. Basically, Kessler sent some bad historical precedents, but he doesn't care. Yep. But Because they managed to find uh, the, the Earth Cult base. On Fazan, yeah. Yes, they stormed the base and... As the narrator says, they basically kill the entirety of the Fazan Earth cult, So Yeah. Uh,
1: other than those who poison themselves. Uh, right. We get this really not fun shot of people with a vials of poison, including children.
0: Yeah, they keep doing that every time they bring up the Earth cult. But, uh... Yeah. And yeah.
1: Uh, Lang also ex- executed...
0: Yeah, speaking of like tying up loose ends, Lang's finally executed. Um, they say they he, he, did not cry, he did not cry nor beg for his life because he lost consciousness out of fear when he <laughs> saw them coming for him, and did not wake up until right before his execution, which is a very, a very Legend of Galactic Heroes esque detail. There's, uh-huh. a, there's a small bit about like Kessler like looking at like the widow of like Lang and thinking, ah. You know, something, something... Sucks for the families of criminals. Yes, and I'm just here be like, man, fuck Lang, that piece of shit. Like, <laughs> the motherfucker got everything he deserved, so... Yes. You know, and, no, no... Yeah. No sympathy for him. And
1: then Kessler, who had not slept for four days, was gonna go to sleep, and
0: then has to go. <laughs> go, meet, go meet Hilda. And it's just like... You think Hilda would be like, ah, I can, especially because also what Hilda bring, uh, summons Kessler for isn't even that easy. <laughs> come up with Mark. <laughs> right. So she meets with Kessler, basically says, oh, thank you for saving me and the child. Kessler's like, oh no, blah, blah, You know, Kessler being his usual overly honorable self. Uh-huh. And then is like, <clears throat> well, since I'm the Kaiserin, uh, you should date my maid. And <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: Kessler's just like, you know, uh, okay. Okay.
1: <clears throat> narrator and, notes: and Yeah, <laughs> two years later, Marika became Mrs. Fleet Admiral Kessler, which says that Kessler is going to be promoted to Fleet Admiral. Also, Kessler will be alive
0: in two years. Yeah, I, it, we'll, there's an interesting type of language that begins to get used here yeah, in this we'll, like chapter of Legends of the Galactic yes, Heroes. So then we'll, we'll get to the, that in
1: uh, just a couple minutes here.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, cut to Reinhard on Heinesen, trying to come with a name for his child. Yes, despite the fact that everybody in the room kind of already knows what would be the most obvious <laughs> name for Reinhardt's firstborn son. But Reinhardt still struggles for it over for a while until uh-huh. he has one of his, like, Kirky Eyes flashbacks. What would Kirky Eyes do? And it is a good kind of detail where, once again, Reinhardt brings up once again that he just thinks Siegfried is such a plain name. And he can't even bring himself to name his sons uh, give his give his sons uh, Siegfried. Name, right name his son Siegfried as his first name so he takes the easy way out Just and, the name. Uh, goes, it goes the middle name route and we find out uh, that uh we uh we the second emperor of the Lohengram dynasty will be named Alexander Siegfried von Lohengram yes
1: and so like this is the thing that's been happening the past few episodes that's become really conspicuous is that the narrator, the closest thing to word of God we have in this show, yes. keeps is making it plain that the M- the Empire, the Lohengrim Dynasty, is going to be continuing for at least a few years
0: yes, past that where we will, are. It will endure. And not only will it endure, that like... <clears throat> The language in general, between stuff like this, and of course the Mecklinger, like would say in his later days, and like even the stuff of like people would look back on this day and say, ah, yes, the hot day, etc. Like the language of Legend of Galactic Heroes grows grows increasingly couched in retrospective. The idea that we are almost no longer viewing these events in current tense, right? But we are beginning to see them as flashback and foundation to a status quo that we, the viewer will never see. Right. I mean, like, everything
1: has, has had like, and on this date, this happened or right. another page added to the history of the galaxy, but I,
0: right. And it's, it's, it's not those, been it's,
1: more explicit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's even stuff like even minor stuff, like some of them saying Kessler and America would get married. That feels like a thing that would have been shown on screen. If this happened, say season two, right? Yeah. Like, you know, with, like, Lutz's marriage. Very short-lived marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it, These are the things we would have seen on screen, but instead they're now being framed in, like, they are going to happen, but you won't be around to see them. And right, and, and, and yes, especially with, like, this idea that there will be a, a second emperor of the Lohengrim dynasty. And here's the thing. I don't think, you know, I don't think either you or I actually had any delusion that the empire <laughs> would actually collapse. Like, right? Like, no matter what the Earth Cult did, no matter how many like one in a million victories Julian manages to pull off, I don't think any of us actually suspected that. Like, oh, the empire is actually under any sort of existential threat. Right. In
1: fact, they won in season so, three. Like, it happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. They won. Yeah, like everything after that has been, you know, the the, the aftermath. Hell. Mittermeier or, or Mueller brings this, this very point up in the next episode. Like, there are no more existential threats to the Empire. Yeah. And not that we were expecting otherwise, but when they start using this language, it begins to make me wonder what is the end game of Legend of the Galactic Heroes? What, like. If the Empire survives, if Reinhardt quote-unquote wins the galaxy, what does that mean for the other players and characters in this setting? You know, most importantly, the Isarlon Republic. Yeah, it brings and, a, really brings up the question of, like, what happens to them? I yeah, guess. and also, like, not even that, but can this series answer that question in a satisfying <clears throat> manner? Because, again, I don't mean to keep pointing at the Rubinsky thing, but, like... It does start to make you wonder, like where and how, not even just like how. I mean, that's the thing. I guess not even where the show ends up, but how does it get there? Yeah. Like, what are the conclusions that this show arrives at?
1: What is what is going to be the underlying message
0: of what right. like to Like, what is going to be the main takeaway from this show based on how, based on how the ending is portrayed? Because I have a feeling that many of the things about the ending are already set in place as they are now. Like I, yeah. I, I have a, I have a strong suspicion that thing, the status quo is not going to change that much between now and episode one hundred and ten. But how the narrative, or not just the narrate, how the show portrays those events can affect what our takeaway as the viewer is meant to be. Yeah, you know, <sighs> I. You know, I, I try not to get into the 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 politics of the fandom of Legend of the Galactic Heroes too much, but mm. you know, like there is undoubtedly like a number of people who watch this show and come away with the conclusion that actually autocracy and enlightened dictatorships are good. Look, they for- won. Obviously, right. they must right. like, be they- the victors, right? Like there are plenty of people. Like, and, and again, I have my thought. I'm, you know, I'm gonna be civil here, but I have my thoughts about people who would watch a show like this and come to that conclusion. But there are undoubtedly people who watch this show, and their takeaway is, you know what? All we... Re- you know what? What we really need in our own world is just a Reinhard von Lohengrom, you know? That's all we need, just a <laughs> impossibly talented one-in-a-million, you know, individual with the means to rise to the top. we will fix everything and, forever, and then nothing will ever change. Right, like... like and and and, I'm, and and here's the thing. I'm sure people would could 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 walk away from that message because of things that were shown earlier in this show, but it almost makes me a little anxious about what is is there something that this show does in its last few episodes that cements this belief in in that segment of the fan base? And you know, I will admit, maybe I'm a little biased here. You know, being born in the United States, I. I ostensibly want to believe in, you know the yes the ideals of if not a liberal democracy, then at least a Republican democracy. And so to me, the idea of like wanting to venerate an autocracy is completely foreign to me. But is there something in this show's ending? That perhaps makes people come away with th- that conclusion. Right.
1: I mean, I feel like up till now it's been cl- like it's been clear on the strengths and weaknesses of such. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think the show's always been very good at being very even-handed in portraying. And hell, in episode one hundred seven, we will see one of the biggest weaknesses of an autocracy shoved right in our face. You're right. So it does, again because of that even-handed nature, it does make me wonder why and how are things being framed the way they are now and what does that mean for the ending? And yeah. I actually, I guess we can't speculate about this forever, so right. I do have a
1: note here in my notes that says maybe like this moment in second is the best time for Reinhard to keel over because, <laughs> <laughs> because then there's an heir. Hilda can take charge and make things not as warlike. The the like top brass is still contains loyalty to the, you know, to the situation. Yes. You know, like you have level headed people like Mueller and Mittermeier and Kessler and Hilda to make sure things don't go completely to hell. Yes. Like, I mean, public opinion is, st- you know, still for <laughs> all that, but Reinhard right. doesn't have a chance to go to war and fuck it all up. Right, in many ways. Also, um, as long as you get rid of Oberstein, you have to get rid of yes, Oberstein. Of course, of course. That's the asterisk.
0: Uh, yes. You got to write in your constitution no more Obersteins. <laughs> uh but man you know it's a shame you brought that up now because i i'm not ready for this yet I, and, and because i explicitly want to save this oh, okay for uh our last podcast very but, well okay. uh, i will hint at it i'll hint at i'll hint at it for our listeners i have i haven't brought up a historical tangent in a while because <laughs> i have one left in ah game. yes
1: yes yes okay we have a historical tangents
0: and all historical tangents <laughs> next time and, I will it'll be next time. It'll be next time. But I will just say, in many ways, what you just said, Iro, reminds me of the parallels between Reinhardt, the warmonger creating the great nation, mm-hmm. and perhaps Reinhard's there not being a need for a Reinhardt esque ruler now that things are relatively stable. Relatively peaceful. that in fact maybe a warmonger would be detrimental to the longevity of a nation, of an empire. And how it reminds me of the succession of the Mongol Empire under Genghis Khan, mm. and the trials and tribulations he, he went through, the own personal struggles he went through in deciding his next heir, and how, in many ways, Genghis Khan, arguably maybe one of the most all-rounder best emperors, rulers, warlords, however you want to call him in human history, his final and greatest mistake wasn't how he decided his succession
1: well we'll get to that one day soon yes um, you'll,
0: you'll get to look forward to that well, next meanwhile,
1: time <laughs> all the admirals are hanging out having a drink yes uh, Valen uh, pokes some fun at Bittenfield by his, like, yes. saying hey Overstein cut Rubinsky, what do you think about that
0: <laughs> yeah very good <laughs> of
1: course Bittenfield just
0: I hope they both die <laughs> <laughs> right specifically he says when a devil gets caught by a monster as a human being i can only hope both die which uh, uh yes for, <laughs> for as much of a meathead as bitfield is dude constantly dropping some great bombs
1: yes uh, uh, but they get the news that uh Easy alone fleet is moving is on the move and uh yes. which mobilized prompts eisenach to speak he says checkmate because he's playing 3d chess during this yes prompting surprise from
0: everyone <laughs> right like if this if, if this anime were made in like the early 2000s like this is the part where you'd have like the bleach style like hard cut <laughs> like, the characters reaction to eisenach speaking uh, for the first time. <laughs> uh, i
1: think my favorite touch is the narrator coming in uh just like with any other major historical event in this show, narrator says, and on 1600, on May 18th of New Imperial Calendar 3, the other admirals heard Isenok's voice for the first
0: time. Yes, it's very good. Very good. Or even better, the detail is everyone other than Mittermeier. Right, sure. So implying Mittermeier has heard Isenok speak before. Sure. And it just makes you want to know. When? Why? When? Why, exactly? I want that episode. I want that flashback episode.
1: I'm sure it's it's an episode of Gaiden.
0: Yes. Just the Eisenach episode of Gaiden. The Eisenach episode of Gaiden. Of course, if, look, man, if you had, if you said you only have 25 episodes to do, like, prequel stuff for Legend of the Galactic Heroes, I would definitely say at least one of those episodes has to be devoted to Eisenach. Uh Uh-huh. Patrashev uh, and
1: Murai putting down a Rebellion. Uh, we'll yes. talk about this another time.
0: I yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, instead, we need to get into episode 107. Yes, which is, which is the, uh, what, the first cold open of season four? First cold open of season four, yes. Uh, we find out that uh, the narrator tells us that the full-scale conflict that would occur between Izzerlone and the Empire seemed to have almost happened by coincidence, but those in the know knew that perhaps this conflict was inevitable. yes. Basically, we find out that uh, the civilian ship, the New Century, uh, mm-hmm. escaped from Heineson to defect to alone seeking asylum. And that there's 900 men, women, and children who uh, need help because their ship is like... Their ship got damaged and they're being pursued by the Empire. Is that an Evangelion
1: reference?
0: <laughs> uh, I guess it can't... Hmm... <laughs> Wait, what? New
1: Century, because that would be like, it's like the Japanese title of Evangelion, right? Oh,
0: right. Uh, I mean... Hmm. If it was in the novels, I don't think so, but... If it was in the novels, I don't think so. I don't think so. I That's that's not like... Look, it's not like they call this thing the fucking... I don't know, the... This this ship, the third children or something. Right, right. You know? like, I, I feel like New Century is like a is a generic so, enough Yeah, name. it's also just weirdly specific enough. Anyway. Yes. Anyways, alone uh, gets news of this. Um,
1: 900 men and
0: women who are seeking yes. liberal democracy. Yes. Uh, we find out that both both an, empire, an Imperial fleet and the Izerlone fleet basically reach this the, this uh, ship at the same time. Yeah. The alone gets there a little bit earlier. Uh, Dusty says, we can't abandon them. It would be bad both morally and politically. <laughs> so... You know, Poplin complains about what a hassle this is. Yeah, but still, you know, rescue them anyways. Uh, Fighting immediately starts, which is a little. I was a little confused by this, honestly. Maybe someone can like explain this to us. But I almost feel like fighting here kicked off a little too spontaneously. It's like the patrol fleet that caught them is like, shoot, start firing. Right, right. Like, dude's a little gung ho about killing them. Because like we were told, we were shown time and time again, like Julian genuinely wants to negotiate with Reinhardt and Reinhard ostensibly sent Mueller or was going to send Mueller to deal right. with deal with Julian diplomatically. So like for a fight to kick off this quickly, it's, it is, it was a little surprising, I guess. And again, maybe it's because yeah, how like how trigger happy the Admiral, uh, the Admiral was on the Imperial side. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so reinforcements start to show up. It starts off as a tiny skirmish, but then more and more ships begin Arriving, yeah. Uh, uh, we find out that uh, the kind of the admiral in control of the Imperial fleet at the beginning is one Admiral Droysen. Mm-hmm. Um, he, again, fairly solid plan. He wants to draw out all of Israel's forces because he knows that eventually his own reinforcements, you know, from Reinhardt and Co. will show up. Definitively outnumber Izzerlone. Definitely outnumber them julian knows they're trying this but is kind of forced to play along um yeah you know and uh, julian has a great bit here where yeah. you know he's talking with the rest of the crew about like if they don't Reinhard- they don't fight reinhardt Reinhard, just won't listen to them yeah again because of Reinhard's, you know warmonger nature and how like in many ways, like, is this fight even necessary to have? And Julian kind of points out that, like, honestly, historians will judge Reinhardt's bloodshed by the, like, efficiency of it. Basically, you know, in scare scare quotes, whether all that bloodshed was worth it. Mm -hmm. That historian, because... Because if Reinhardt did not achieve all the things he did, then yes, he would go down in history as a warmonger, but more likely, if Reinhardt succeeds in creating his golden you know, enduring empire, uh, historians will more likely just say, yeah, Redhard killed a lot of people. Yeah, the Westerland incident was bad. It took but, only,
1: but it took only only this many lives in the grand scheme of right. history like, to unify space.
0: Have, yes, it will have been worth it. You know, like the you know again, using the cold math of like, you know, we go we could we could go flashback all the way back to that Golden Bomb Dynasty documentary. Like, sure, it's only what like what was it like two percent of the population something, or something like that i oh. was like you know murdered and genocided mm-hmm. but like was that worth it in the long run
1: i also think back to jessica edward's speech from so long ago about how
0: is being willing
1: to- right is has willing to die for ideals like really the best metric of this sort of thing
0: like I think it kind of gets to that. Like, here's the, like, Julian doesn't necessarily agree with this right, statement. But He's but saying how people yeah. judge Reinhardt, because this is the kind of society that... This is the situation they're in. Is. Yeah. And so, Julian prepares for a fight, because it's the only way they're going to earn Reinhardt's respect. And just like Yangwin Lee, it's the only chance they have to drag him to the negotiation table. Mm-hmm. Reinhardt gets the news, says he's going to be leaving with his whole fleet. Yep, all the admirals, basically. Every admiral's coming for this fight, which, man. Um, And this is where Mueller points out, Yeah. again, Mueller, maybe the guy with the clipboard in the Empire, points out that this battle is kind of small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. Like, you compare this even to Reunthal's Rebellion. Right, not even close. A minor skirmish at best, and that Reinhardt shouldn't have to participate. And Reinhardt's too prideful for that. He's like, nah, like, I like I, I, I will never, like, shy away from a fight. So, right. Also, but, like, they all know that Reinhardt's health is poor, and so yes. keep trying I mean, to talk obviously about... Right, but they, can't, they obviously can't go that route, because that would just insult Reinhardt even more. Yes. So, of course, they're trying to appease more to his, like, politicking side. But, yes, there is the subtext of, also, we're not sure you're even healthy enough to lead this fleet. And you know, again, Mueller, man with the clipboard, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe we all should. Have... Well, again, I mean, because I root for the Isilow Republic, I'm glad this happened. But you know, maybe uh, <laughs> sure. the vampire goes
1: to Mueller. Yep, and uh, Minimeyer also is like, you're a, you're a father now. You should go back to your empress and the, and, and your child. Man.
0: Go home and be a family man, Reinhard. Yeah. And then Reinhard just fucking does. No, I'm rubber. <laughs> right back to him. Right. You like, go home like, and be a family man. <laughs> Right, <laughs> very good. And uh, so they 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 cow to Reinhard's de, de decisions. Uh, Reinhard says that they're all leaving except for Oberstein and Valen, who whose fleet is still damaged from the last time uh, Julian punked on him. Yep. Um, I keep saying, please stop asking Oberstein of all people to maintain the peace because <laughs> he will just kill everyone. Yes. Um. But yes. Yeah, so we find out that he's going to be Mittermeyer, Eisenach, Bittenfeld. Mueller and Reinhardt right, and, and Mechlinger, Mechlinger is along with Reinhardt. As yes. like this guess Mechlinger got downgraded to Reinhardt's adjutant or something. Like, s-
1: staff officer or whatever. He's a
0: staff officer, yes. I mean you know, whatever. We get some good Mechlinger moments from this episode, yeah. so I can't wait. Uh however, we find out before the battle's even begun that Reinhardt is starting to get a fever again. Yep. And refuses um, to talk about it. Yes. And then as if to <sighs> Maybe prophetically, if there's any one thing Reinhardt has actually done <laughs> that may doom the Lohengrom dynasty, I feel like it might, like, I feel like Reinhardt has largely, by and large, has always, oh, every action Reinhardt has done has largely benefited his empire. Right. I, this is the one moment, this is the one thing Reinhardt does. It's like, oh, you probably shouldn't maybe,
1: have done that,
0: dude. That maybe might actually be the thing that eventually breaks the Lohengrom dynasty centuries from now. And that is Reinhardt demands the mic. <laughs> yes, give me the they mic. Declaration that the emperor, the emperor, no matter who it is, the emperor of the Lohengrom dynasty, whether it is me, my son, or any of my descendants, will always lead his fleet from the front that no emperor of the Lowengram dynasty will ever be a coward.
1: Uh, yeah. Because they'll all be just great military commanders as Reinhard von Lowengram.
0: Yeah, and again, 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 I am saving my Genghis content <laughs> for next yeah. But I will say, in many ways, this is Reinhard making a very key mistake here. He's making a very key mistake in his thinking that, oh, a good leader is one who always fights and that even in peacetime what what i will want in a descendant is a warmonger like me like again he he values personally right Again, reinhard reinhard does not realize that actually you do need a different type of leader in peacetime than wartime and in many ways again i'm not saying look I I haven't finished the series yet. I doubt I doubt the I doubt the narrator will actually say this dooms the Longgram dynasty. I'm just saying, based on my own like reading of study of history, mm-hmm. statements like these, this is what eventually kills empires.
1: Uh hey, I mean every time I replace these events remain the same.
0: <laughs> but uh but yes, yeah, so the battle begins. Um yeah, we find out that, yeah, just they start trading shots. We find out Julian is just fucking going for it. We get this great shot of like Julian busts up an empire ship, it explodes into a cloud. He drives through the cloud, finds another ship, blows them up too. Right. Just
1: Bitfield is, has learned after a hundred something episodes to not yeah. just keep
0: charging. Right. We have a great bit where Dusty comments, Oh crap, I guess uh prudence has finally been added to the Binfield dictionary. I can't just use my usual half-assed strategy of pretending to run away and then not run away and shoot them. Yes. <laughs> it only took 100, episode, uh,
1: 100 episodes for Binfield to learn Dusty's tactics. Yes. Everyone on the Imperial side assumes Mercat is in charge of the, of the fleet.
0: Yeah, there's a really great... Literally like, everyone... <laughs> There's a really great recurring bit where every time the Isalone fleet does something good, somebody on the Empire fleet does comment on... Oh, oh, murkats is good. It must be Murkats, that old fox. I knew he still had it in him. When, like, we the viewer knows, nah, dog, this is all <laughs> Julian. This is all Julian. Right. Y'all are sleeping on Julian so hard, you don't even know. Like, you don't even, like... <laughs> y'all are so obsessed. Y'all are so obsessed... With Mercat. You are coping so hard that, oh no, it couldn't just be some snot nosed kid beating us. No, it has to be Mercats. Nuh uh. Nuh uh. <laughs> it's Julian Minchie. Julian Minchi is the one who is punching you in the nose right now. Oh, and speaking man. of Julian Minchie, yes. so we find out the statistics of this battle is 51,000 versus
1: like 9,500. Something like that. It's about 5 to 1 ship wise and 10 to uh, 1 manpower wise.
0: Yes, because we also find out that. julian's fleet not only has like less ships but also less manpower.
1: literally the ships are
0: literally undermanned right they're running skeleton crews we get these great scenes of like officers on the ship bridge running back and forth between different like monitors yeah yeah
1: they they note that like a full 10 percent of the ships are just unmanned off in the back um yes like i want to yes like we want to talk about sets her remote control to like fool people
0: yes julie has this fucking amazing this is like the most young t- like this is the most young <laughs> galaxy brain has ever gotten. like this like this is so ballsy i'm not even sure young Wen lee would try this like, i mean he did I- in the 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 our conquest of stars right like
1: he ran an unmanned like regiment straight in
0: or whatever and was able to take the brunhilde hostage Right, but what I mean is, like, like that was more like a Hail Mary, where those ships were expendable. Julian is using... Right. <laughs> Julian is essentially using empty ships to hold an entire side <laughs> of flank in this battle, which is, like... Anybody who's watched this show should already understand how important flanks are. There's a reason you put guys like Mittermeier and Bittenfield on your flanks. Like, you need, like, your... You know, that's the reason why you have guys like Edwin Fisher and Merkatz on your flanks. Like, guys like Dusty to hold a flank. Because it is actually really important to hold the outer edge of your battle formation. And Julian is so short on admiralship manpower, he's just leaving one entire side of his fleet empty
1: and unguarded. Right. Just having them, them, like, occasionally move around...
0: and this is this is in ingen- this is amazing the, the, the reason this is amazing is because like like this is amazingly like this is like the reason why i say even yang Lee might not might not try this is because i think yang Lee tends to be like if we were to actually get into like the real nitty-gritty between yang and julian i think yang's a little bit more cautious mm-hmm. Yang would not try something would not try something that could be so potentially disastrous right like Whereas Julian, like, Julian doesn't have the option to play it safe. Like, he, this is, it's do or die type, so he's trying everything, right? And, and
1: then they just note that if, if Kaiser Reinhardt had not been, like, sick
0: and borderline unconscious, yeah. <laughs> he probably would have noticed. Yes, and that would have attacked and would have collapsed the entirety of Julian's fleet. Right. And the reason I kind of love this tactic is because, again, don't worry, this is not a full on tangent, but in real world, like, battle. Uh, 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 battlefield tactics. Um, there is this concept of threat rage, right, basically okay. of, of, of of potential threat rage, mm-hmm. and the idea is basically that you often have units set up on the fleet in in a fleet or in the field, not because you actually expect them to hit anything, but because their very presence yes, will force the enemy not go there. Deterrent, yes. Like the idea of basically being like. We don't think – or hell, we hope you don't come here because, like, oftentimes the, the 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 units that are used as battlefield deterrents are not fully manned. They're not at full strength capacity. Right. In fact, they're often doing a similar thing to what Julian is doing here where they're often pretty weakened, but they still have enough manpower and enough firepower to at least represent the concept of a threat to the enemy. Right. And the enemy, assuming they have, like, less than perfect intel, you know – if they look there with their binoculars and they see enough guys and cannons and tanks over there, they will just operate under the assumption of, "Oh, we cannot mm, go in that direction." Inflate like your
1: ship balloons and,
0: uh... <laughs> yes, essentially. And so it's 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 a really it's a really great tactic that Julian is using. But Julian is using like maybe the most risky version of this tactic. Like the normal version of this tactic in real world battle would be like a half strength fleet or like a half strength mm-hmm. battalion julian is using a zero strength battalion like this is some fucking Juge liang <laughs> shit I'm like it's like
1: <laughs> right i'm gonna stand like, alone in the city and play my liar and
0: oh, i was gonna deal go with the, the other Juge oh, liang okay. tactic of um, he once had like a bunch of sh- you know what this is probably a reference to this this battle is probably a specific reference to this very <laughs> basically like inflated like he he basically lost a ton of manpower but he had not lost his fleet and so he had like basically like two guys to a ship and on each ship they made a bunch of straw men and gave them armor mm. and like basically it was like a foggy day or uh, something sure sure and they just had them like do the young and lead like move back and forth <laughs> no one's starting and like and the enemy saw, like, oh, crap, he still has. I thought we already, like, they th- They thought, oh, crap, I thought we already dealt, like, a horrible blow to his army. How does he still have a full-strength navy? We better back off, just... man. <laughs> it's, you know. Right. Just... I think that, I think <clears> is <this throat> actually an explicit reference to that.
1: <laughs> um, narrator also notes that uh, if ever had the chance, he would use these ships as a decoy to go straight in to get Reinhard. But, uh. Yes no way Reinhardt would fall for trick of it like that. And so he
0: didn't no, think he would get the opportunity. Exactly. But, uh, which in, in some ways, maybe that in and of itself is also, you know, mm-hmm. if only those, mm. sh- if only those sh- were
1: manned, right. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Or if only Reinhard would be,
0: uh, incapacitated in some way. Yes. But we, 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 we move into a net, a great scene. I want to talk about real quick. So this is, is, is like uh, the heart of why we like the FPA. I think. Right. This this scene is, again, the heart of, yes, as you say, this is a reminder of, like, why I think we, you know, us specifically have always kind of loved the FPA and the spirit of, if not the FPA, then the spirit of Yang Wenli's fleet. Is we have this scene of, like, some officers running around on the bridge, like, complaining about, like, having to, you know, basically right. run multiple stations at the same time. We're running these
1: terminals over to get us the readings from other stations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, one of the guys says, like, I don't even know why. He's like, this reminds me of, like, a fucking wedding I went to or something.
1: So one guy's like, we don't have enough hands for this. This sucks. Like, we need more people. Dude's like, I remember when we didn't have enough people at some wedding. <laughs> it just goes right. in this fucking weird-ass tangent.
0: Right, about, like, the bride running away with, like, the step or something. It, it was some... <laughs> you know whatever the details don't matter the point is they tell like just a completely like off the cuff like uh, story that has nothing to do with the battle and then they just have a good laugh about it and the narrator points out that like despite the like hard time how, yeah. right despite how tense this battle was that perhaps it was this like spirit that was you know the heart and soul of the young wenly flee yeah, they can joke even at a time like this yes and that uh, it was only Julian Minchie who was <laughs> worried about the very real tangible stakes of this battle. So, yeah. you know, another thing he inherited from Yang Wendley.
1: <laughs> I also note that uh, Julian misinterpreted the Imperial Fleet's movements because he assumed that their movements were highly deliberate based on Reinhard's orders. Uh, when in yeah. fact, because Reinhard was not feeling well... Their movements were in quite, in fact, quite passive.
0: Yes, yes. There's, I mean, again, this is kind of the great thing about like, this is the great thing Legend of Galactic Heroes does, right? Where it understands that battles are not things where people have like 100 knowledge of, mm-hmm. you know, like it is not like XCOM or Advance Wars where you have a top-down map where you can view the health of your opponent and their movement speed. You know, battles <laughs> are this kind of messy, unknowable thing where you have like a you have like an approximation of like like based on your intel, you have an approximation of what they can do and how fast they can go, but you don't actually know. And even more specific things like, oh, their leader being sick and being like unable to like adequately coordinate the fleets. It's not a thing you would know. So for better or worse, like if you know Reinhardt's reputation and you assume he is fighting at a hundred percent, that anything he does, you assume is going to be intentional.
1: That's why you pick an L and have your luck stat go up, so that. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But uh, it also allows me in, like it's tough for him also because he can see like no matter what there's the five to one numbers advantage, so like right there's there's no way he can win.
0: Yeah, and so uh, Binfield charges right in, right? Binfield rushes in on Dusty, tries to envelop Dusty to prevent his retreat. Uh, dusty i don't know what is so, i i continue to try and figure out what is so special about the black lancers and why anytime they go on the attack <laughs> a fleet instantly crumples <laughs> but dusty's fleet starts to fall apart yep uh, but uh bittenfield
1: and bittenfield wants the orders to like fully get in there and take him out yes. but uh, uh but at the same time oh no kaiser reinhard is so sick that he collapses
0: he falls and collapses loses consciousness, and uh, the doctors come rushing over, and we get a great scene where Mecklinger is like is
1: fucking tired of this shit.
0: Man, Mecklinger is pissed. Like, if you thought Mecklinger was mad at Grillpalser, it's... like that was a Grillpalser? It that was grill-palser. Uh... um Yeah, like I mean, Mechlinger that, that, that was
1: fucking... stern principal. Mecklinger, <laughs> this, this, like... this is like.
0: This is an angry Mechlinger. A rare angry Mechlinger's, Mechlinger. Angry Mechlinger's Mechlinger has
1: revealed that he can use the Satsui no Hado at will.
0: Yes, yes. He <laughs> grabs the doctor by by the scruff of his neck and says that, Hey, Doc, you know Radar's been sick for a real long time. Why the fuck have you not figured out what's wrong with him? you got to right. find out what's wrong, right, Doc? You and, fucking better... Uh, lets him down, and they say, oh, sorry, sometimes I get a little angry, you know? <laughs> I'm, no. a, I'm a passionate guy. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then we get the very rare, um, because uh, because of this, um, all communication channels have to get shut down right. to prevent the enemy from finding Mittermeier, out. So Mittermeier all- declares that all orders have to go through him. Right, so now Mittermeier has to coordinate everything. Interestingly enough, we find out that even the other admirals don't necessarily know this, as we fight out in the next scene. Uh, we well, get the It's very mostly because rare... they don't want the information to leak to right. Easel Lone Fleet. Right, but to not even tell the other admirals is like, I mean, that's what leads to what happens here. Right. right? Before that, we get the very rare, <laughs> very rare, uh, much more rare than the if only Kirky Eyes or if only Yang Wen Li were here. We get the very rare if only Oscar von Roenthal were what here. What would Roenthal
1: do? A rare. question you very rarely should ask yourself. <laughs>
0: Yes, Remember situations
1: where you must ask, oh shit, what yes. would Reunthal do? <laughs>
0: is... The only time you should ever ask what would Reunthal do is if you're alone in a room with a gun. <laughs> or oh, you're alone in a room with John <laughs> Trunit. What would do? You, know, you should ask what would Reunthal do. But uh, yes, because of comms slowing down, things started getting muddled. Uh, Binfield gets caught in the open and loses a chance to attack. Dusty gets his fleet back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Binfield contacts uh the the, the Hilda demands to know what's going on. Why didn't he receive his orders from Reinhardt? He demands to meet with Reinhardt. He threatens he'll even take a shuttle there in person. Mecklinger holding his ground pretty well with Binfield. Mecklinger like, trying Mecklinger. <laughs> this
1: was anyone but Binfield. I feel like they would have caught the hint that. Becklinger is talking because the Kaiser cannot. And just like, if it was any other admiral other than Bittenfield, they'd be like, okay, I gotcha. But Bittenfield's like, no, tell me! Like... Give me orders.
0: Yeah, it's like I mean, you can tell Mecklinger is like trying to like say out of the side of his mouth. We'll talk about we'll, it later with the like, Kaiser. Yeah, like look, you can totally meet with the Kaiser later. I'll take responsibility for this, but you can't see the Kaiser now. And Benefield's like shouting, like, "Why not? <laughs> like, I, like you fake uh, poet? You fake poet? How? I...
1: Since when have you played Oversteins' tune?"
0: So it's like Whoa, of course, bitch, of course, load, of course, the
1: Mecklinger's artistic talents being insulted is the one thing yes. he cannot stand for. No, no, is, the song that Jackal composes is plenty good enough for a wild boar like you. Yes,
0: and then basically just hangs up on him. It. Yes, it's really good. It's but what really, what like what this really gets into is like these guys are all talented men. Even Bittenfield, rightly, like, these are all talented individuals. But again, as I alluded to earlier in this podcast, is that we are shown one of the greatest weaknesses of an autocracy and specifically an autocracy modeled after Reinhardt's belief in how it should be ruled, which is by essentially a warlord based autocracy Mm -hmm. is that when Reinhardt falls, the whole thing falls apart. Like, you know, again, it's not Reinhardt falling, you know, Reinhardt falling ill is not enough for Julian to like get the definitive win. You know, the odds are too great but, like, this battle could have been won already had it not right. been for their, their over-reliance on Reinhard to direct things. I mean, Christ. I almost... Imagine if Yang had survived this long. Imagine what Yang could have, d- could the have done. The kind of things Yang could have exploited if <laughs> Reinhard got sick this often. Because remember, Reinhard was still pretty healthy when he was fighting with Yang. But, like... Right. You know, it was only around Yang's death where the, where the sickness got worse. But, man... All these fevers, man. Right? Are right, you lucky? Yang's a fucking ghost now. <laughs> because if if Yang were alive and you got sick this often, Yang's got no sense of has got no sense of battlefield scruples. If you were sick, he'd punch you in the bed right there. <laughs> like he'd do it. God, you're too sick to come to the Seven Eleven. That's all right. I'll come to your house. I'll beat your ass there. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway so, even eisenach and mueller are like caught up in difficult yeah.
0: situations
1: like you know the eisenach even though he positioned himself to be able to handle anything he still like was slow to react yeah mueller's staff is like we didn't come here just
0: to eat, have a picnic right like, we
1: need to get in there and mueller's like yeah we we should we but we haven't gotten orders and, Again, uh,
0: it, it is their unfailing loyalty in Reinhardt that, mm-hmm. that in many ways, it hamstrings them in this battle. Right. And uh, Poplin returns to base to
1: refuel, but uh, his radio on his Sartanian had uh, picked up the transmission that perhaps Kaiser Reinhardt is feeling ill.
0: Yes. Uh, gives the news to Julian. Julian has a meeting with all the admirals and... Mm-hmm. Of course, Shen Cop is like hell yeah, doll. Let's go kill a sick man. Let's go because you know that's Shen Cop. <coughs> Everyone else is a little bit more ambiguous about it at first. Um, Murcatz yeah. kind of brings up an interesting point of: is it better to win or is it better to not lose? Essentially, right. If we maintain our current position, we will never win this fight. The best we can ever hope for is to not lose. Right. Like
1: we'd eventually get beaten back into alone and our forces will slowly continue to dwindle as we continuously end up in this situation.
0: Right. We do not have the manpower. We do not have the firepower. We don't have the material base. And in many ways... This is our only option. (laughs) This is our only option. It is not... This would never be our first choice. Hell, I don't think this would even be our third choice if we had more options available to us. All right, plan number I. Let's go. (laughs) And, uh... And so Julian agrees with the plan. However, he insists that he is going to come along as well,
1: because oh,
0: yeah. he still wants to negotiate with Put his foot down. Like, yes. I'm coming along. Uh,
1: Shenkov's not going to alone. Not going yes. by himself. He's uh, coming, or there's no
0: operation. Right. Uh, because... No matter how devoted to the idea Shenkop is of just fucking burying an axe in Reinhardt's skull, uh, Julian insists that as long as there is still a chance to negotiate, he's going to take it. He nominates Dusty as his second-in-command and yep. the uh, the new commander of the Israel Republic should he fall in battle. In a bizarre sense, I almost feel like this gives Dusty plot a armor. certain amount of plot armor that he did not have before. Because here's the Maybe, thing... Uh... We know Julian's not going to die, so him designating successor doesn't matter. <laughs> sure. but uh, I do
1: like this as, like, I think it shows Julian is w- more willing to put his foot down on orders than Youngwin Lee was.
0: Yes, yes. I think, I, again, I think it's interesting because I definitely see, I've seen, like, I've seen the sentiment expressed elsewhere that, like, oh, Julian's, like, kind of boring. He's just a. A kind of like a worse copy of Yang Wen Li, and I really don't think that. I think that, like, if you really watch this show, and you really pay attention to Julian's characterization, he really has become, in many ways, like, the weirdly perfect mesh between, like, Yang Wen Li and then all of the other surrogate dads he right. learned from in the FPA. And, and, like,
1: I, I see where it's coming from of, like, if you're too perfect, you're boring, but, uh, we've, right, like, but- seen him get there it's like yeah over so long
0: right i think i think like yes if julian like if, if julian just got arrived at this point out of nowhere i think that would be no. annoying but He's i think only achieved actually... his final form in the, the, the last 10 episodes of this right like film. come on like yeah it's like like even if you you do want to comp- you complain about like how perfect julian is like dude he only gets like three episodes to even show off show that off you know Compared to that to reinhardt but uh yeah, like in terms of like you know he has learned from yangwen lee's mindfulness and like tactics, but he's also learned from like Dusty and Poplin and Shenkop and, 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 and hell even Mariah and Fisher and everybody, you know, everyone, like, like everybody, yeah, like, yeah, from Volin. You know, everybody has imparted some lesson to Julian that or Kirky eyes, right? Like, yes. like everybody's imparted a lesson to Julian that he has internalized over the course of these hundred episodes and. I don't know. I think his growth is actually maybe like the steadiest in, of them all in this show. <laughs> like, you compare him to like season one Julian. It's like the kid has grown up a lot and yeah. he has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, Thanks. would Julian have stood up to Shenkop like this even a season ago? I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so they, they prepare all, for a sporting
1: boarding. Up. Uh, yeah. Machingo and Poplin and B- Bloomheart and. Whoever. Is that Bloomheart? Did we I, confirm that's Bloomheart? don't remember. Or did Bloomheart die? I, I, I think Bloomheart died. I think this is the other Rosenrider dude whose name okay. I don't recall. Alright, sorry second in command Rosenrider
0: guy. We keep forgetting their name. Um,
1: yeah, and then Shenko. They're all suiting up. Uh, yeah. Karen enters the room and gets wolf whistles from all the boys.
0: Yes, Christ.
1: <laughs> because of course the Rosenrider yes. would. <laughs>
0: Of course they would, yes.
1: Yep, and she uh, basically tells
0: Julian to be careful and... To come back alive. Come back you alive. Know, you know, as much as I detest the individual, stick with Walter Von Schenkopp. <laughs> yes. Like, that dude is good in a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schenkopp being Schenkopp says, well, then I have one re- I have one <laughs> request for you two. And that's, uh, you two can do all the loving you want, but don't have any kids till your 20s. I don't want to be a grandfather in my thirties. It's almost ha, like, ha, ha, ha. it's almost like I am leaving behind these statements that uh, guarantee I
1: am not going to survive yeah. this show. And so yeah, all or nothing freeze alone. They're charging to get them to land combat on the Brunhild. Yes.
0: And to, uh, one way or another apprehend, kill or contact Reinhardt. Yep. All right, play yeah. it lay it out who dies who dies the next episode. Shenko for sure. On next episode specifically, I'm not sure, but I think in the next, okay, the next within the next 3 episodes. In the next 3 episodes, Mashengo, Mashenko for sure. No I hate I hate to say it out loud, but yes, Mashenko definitely dead. His
1: level his level of like characterization etc. is prime mover
0: Territory. Oh yeah, yeah. He is. He is like. He is. He is well known enough to like be a face we recognize, and but also expendable yes. enough that like yes. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if Louis Mashango is literally the first character to die in the boarding right. of the Brune Hill. Game. Now there are stakes. Right. Mishango's dead. Right. I again, Shenkop definitely dead. Mm. I'm curious what are what about the thing with Shenkop oh okay um oh, sorry you can go ahead oh the thing i was just gonna say real quick is the th- i think i'm curious with shenkop is obviously we know he's going to die but i'm curious what are the circumstances in which he dies mm. like does he literally die on a mountain of it's empire corpses. corpses? does he die like <laughs> two feet away from reinhard does he die saving julian like what what where how do, does walter von shenkop go out you know he goes out does Mecklinger reveal he <laughs> knew martial arts all along. Oh shit, turns out...
1: <laughs> yes. Turns out you don't fuck with Mecklinger.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Mecklinger is also going to be on that ship. And the idea of Mecklinger fighting is very entertaining to me. But uh, yeah, about Poplin. Poplin is the one I'm actually the most in the middle about. Like, yeah. I think Julian will definitely survive. I think Julian has to survive at least until he meets with Reinhardt. Right. If nothing else. But Poplin is the interesting one. I think... I think Poplin might live. I think Poplin might die, because there was that talk before about how, oh, Poplin, you're gonna be, you're gonna turn 30 soon, you're gonna turn into an old man like the rest of us. <laughs> and Poplin specifically said, well, technically I'm still 29, I'm still a young man. Uh, but wouldn't the, the greatest tragedy of Poplin's life be that he did get to be 30? He lives to his 30s? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, yes, that's what we want, because we love Poplin, but <laughs> Poplin I feel like... Anything wrong he doesn't deserve to be 30. But I feel like it would be the most popular thing in the world for him to die here and sure. then make some like snide one liner okay. how hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, I beat Dusty because I died a young man or something, you know, sure. like All right. it would be a very popular thing to do um, as tragic as that is. Do we think Dusty survives? I think Dusty survives. I think I think Dusty survives. Murkatz does not. Of the yeah. guys Murquette, who are still in the fleet. Murkatz, 100% dead. The reason why I think Dusty survives is because Murkatz is definitely going to die. Right, and if Murkats definitely dies, I feel like it would be almost too much of a gut punch if Dusty, like if Julian lost everybody close to him <laughs> except for Karen and Frederica, I almost feel like that would be too grave of a co- of, of a price to pay. But like losing all of the boarding team and losing Murkats mm-hmm. feels like the appropriate price Julian would pay to bring peace to the galaxy. And speaking of, I want to... Because this is our last podcast where we will get to speculate about Legend of the Galactic <laughs> Heroes. We have, so
1: which Imperial which Admirals die? Do you think? Um, I, think honestly, I think Mittermeier is safe because he has a baby now.
0: I honestly don't think any of them will. Like, Not a not, not weir- single one? As weird as it is. Not, not like Eisenach of, or Bittenfield? Honestly, all the ones that are a lot... All the ones that I thought would have died died already. Hmm. Like... Like if if, the, if if I thought Fair, any yeah. if I thought any admiral was going to die at this point, I would have thought it would have I thought it would have been Volin, but Volin got his plot armor armor by staying behind.
1: Or maybe so, the
0: Earth cult will get him because he's Alan Heineson. Maybe, maybe, but in terms of like the admirals, I thought would definitely not survive this show. Mm. They're all dead already. Sure. Like okay, mean, yeah. Kempf, Lutz, Steinmetz, Fahrenheit, um, Royenthal, like. Yeah. A lot of Empire Admirals have died already. The reason it doesn't feel that like that much is because Reinhardt has so many of them. He's got a right. baker's dozen Do you think Overstein makes it to the end of this show? What did I say in our <laughs> season finale podcast? Don't I think remember. I said... I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because I've already forgotten. But I feel like I was one of the people who said there is no way Oberstein survives this show. I begin to grow unsure of that now because i feel like if oberstein was gonna die they would have made it more obvious by now mm. like if there was a time for oberstein to die it would have been in the clash with Bittenfield. but since that didn't happen i don't know like i don't see oberstein like here's the thing. I cannot imagine the version of version of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which has the 30 years later epilogue with like middle-aged Reinhardt and then middle-aged Oberstein is still god. there, Ugh. still Ugh. doing his thing. That I can't see that. Sick. <laughs> or you know what even more likely is that 30 years later everybody has aged up, but somehow Oberstein looks the same because he just like made a deal with the fucking devil or oh, something. Oh god. Um <laughs> Uh, I don't know I really don't know and did we see Rubinsky again at all I thought we would I thought when he they said he got captured I thought that's when we would have seen him but Mm -hmm. since we didn't I'm again my feelings about the Rubinsky plotline will hinge on if we do see him again or not if we do see him one more time I will be a little bit more forgiving to how like cleanly they tied up that plotline but if we don't then that would not surprise me either yeah that oh Rubinsky was just off-screened, and that that was just their way of trying to get this plot line out of the way as fast as possible. Um, who else do we got? Who's it all? Who else is the who old else? loose end? I want to speculate about. Right. Yeah, go for it. Do we just want to speak about how the show actually ends? Go for it. Do you have? Okay, I'll go first. I'll give <laughs> you time to think. I want you to say something too. I don't want to be the only person looks like <laughs> a fool here. You, know, you have to say something. All right. So I'll go first though. I w- I've been thinking about this for a while. Julian and the boarding crew will land on the Brunhilde. They will fight their way through it. Everyone but Julian will die. Every single person with Julian right now will die except for Julian. But because of their sacrifice, Julian will either somehow manage to break into Reinhardt's private quarters or Julian will be surrounded by like empire troops but because of his display of force Reinhard will grant him a, a dialogue S- somehow somehow mm-hmm. everyone will die but in the pop process Julian will be able to manage to speak one on one with Reinhard and in that conversation which i think will happen behind closed doors because of what because i think Julian who the show keeps saying time and time again Julian has a really good understanding of Reinhardt's mentality and thought process. right? And I think that they're going to bring this full circle and Julian will bring an argument to Reinhardt that would not work on anyone else. Any, (laughs) any other admiral, any other leader who heard what Julian is about to say, or what I'm about to say that Julian will say would be like, that's crazy talk to the, to the, to the brig with you. But to Reinhardt, Reinhardt would hear this out. Julia would say to Reinhardt, why did you become strong? You became strong from fighting your enemies. Mm-hmm. And if you if you kill me and destroy the Ezerlone Republic, I think you could easily do with the resources you have. The Empire will have no more enemies. And the Empire will grow weak and decadent and fat. (laughs) Your son will have no one to fight. He will have no one to focus his energies to. And your empire will fall. Because just because you kill me, just because you kill the Israel Republic, the spirit of democracy endures. Eventually, your empire will grow weak, and the cracks will appear, and someone will take that opportunity to rebel. However, leave us alive. You don't have to give us anything. We're not asking for territory, but leave us intact and leave us alive. Leave us to grow our strength, and you know, have more babies. You know, basically, grow more manpower. Uh-huh.
1: Leave us alone, like you'd like. Uh, Ali Heinesen had a chance. Yes. Had
0: his time. Had the chance. New Kimball and- had his time. Exactly. And your empire. Will never have to want for an uh, for for a for a worthy enemy to fight, and that will keep your empire strong. It will keep your descendants on their toes; like mm-hmm. they will not grow complacent because they will always have to fear us. And again, me just saying this out loud sounds like a crazy person argument, <laughs> but Reinhardt is kind of a crazy person, and I could see Reinhardt of all people. Like, if if he was around other people, if Hilda was there, of course this argument would not fly because Hilda would be like, wait, 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 hold up. No, Reinhardt, don't be stupid. But,
1: right. But Reinhardt alone.
0: Also, if it is a feverish (laughs) Reinhardt, a feverish, half conscious Reinhardt, oh yeah, whatever you say, Kirky
1: Eyes. I'll do that, (laughs) Kirky Eyes.
0: Right. Like, alone? I could see that Reinhardt. Making that under-the-table deal mm. of, fine, we'll retreat. And the galaxy goes back to square one. <laughs> yes, yes. And the whole the lesson we be taken of men from The the same. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What the show has been telling us God, this whole time so, is that like, no, matter, no matter the time, no matter the age, the deeds of men will remain the same. We're back to square one. Oh, that's Literally, that's really isn't Republic? Depressing. It's back in the same position as the FBA at the very beginning. Christ. But also... Does that not fit? Does it not it's, fit? Uh,
1: you're right. Uh, like,
0: again, again, the, the freedom fighters of the liberal democracy, right now, you know, weak, weak and and, and tiny, but filled with good individuals who will lay down a good <laughs> foundation, right? Sure. Like, as long as men like Julian and Dusty and women like Frederica exist to guide the Easterland Republic, it will grow strong one day. And And war will continue and everyone will die again. I mean yes, yes, it will, it will. And in many ways, like would Yang Wen be disappointed with that outcome? I think so, but on the other hand, I think he'd look at he'd look at <laughs> the shape of the setting and, and and the situation it's in, and he'd understand that this was perhaps the best they could hope for. Hmm. And I don't know, I think that's how it goes. Alright. It's on, it's, you, on, on tape, it's on tape, man. Now you uh, got to be on tape. You, you
1: got to say something embarrassing. I think I don't think the Earth Cult's done. I think they they like activate on Heiderson, you know. And okay, so the Heiderson branch is still in play. Uh huh. I think they are. Um, I okay. think on some level they're still gonna have to team up to fight the Earth Cult. Like even if it's just a few people. <laughs>
0: But who's left after uh, that? Who's this, left? I assume this would, this would happen after the battle. So Shenkop's dead. Right. Mm, is dead. Yeah. Like Mashengo and potentially Poplin I, I is think, dead. I think they might.
1: I think Reinhard might die, and uh, I, I, Julian is able to convince for
0: um, Hilda to to keep to keep things going. So you're going to leave that out there on tape. You think Reinhard will die? I think
1: on the left. I think he'll make it to the last episode. I think he'll die in the last episode.
0: Oh, well, yes, that I think is definitely happening. But... Sure. I'm not in like a oh, time skip. I mean, right. I don't know, it definitely. Ha- okay, I said baby. Okay, so you think I think, I
1: think right. like he will be revealed his illness is ir- like, like terminal, terminal like and soon that like it was it was part maybe it was part of the earth cults plan all along. Maybe the grand bishop did have the power to curse people. <laughs> okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe not that. But I think there's cult like I think they will be the final boss uh, okay. as it, as it were uh so you believe the earth cult is
0: definitely still in play yes okay i'm i'm uh, i'm think, gonna uh, be on, on i'm gonna be on tape to say that good i want that I want both of us to be on tape here saying something that could be immediately proven wrong in the next episode because look, it would not be legend of the glory of heroes if we did not make like wildly off kilter <laughs> speculations that occasionally. Have a great so kilter, Off kilter, they round about and become true again. Yep. Like sure. the flowers of Israel. God. <laughs> Who would have known I would have accidentally predicted <laughs> Karen, the character?
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> all right. Um, but I think with that, yeah. we're going to call this a podcast. Indeed. So, as always, thank you all for listening. You can listen to this podcast on and the rest of our content on theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can listen to the podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and some other places I'm sure. You can also listen to it on YouTube if that's more your style. Uh, if you like this podcast and want to listen to some other podcasts where we show up, you can check out our sister podcast, uh, the Glorio Chat where we talk about currently airing anime we took a break this week or last week but we plan to come back in time for the holidays you can also listen to glorio's king of the kaiju and uh you can also uh, watch legend of the galactic heroes on uh high dive and vrv I think with all that said i think that's everything so once again for what will probably be either the second or third to last time we're still figuring <laughs> out the formatting of our final episodes um, thank you all so much for listening. As always, Ero, thank you for accompanying me. Thank you. And we will see you next time amongst the Sea of Stars.